first guest is I had a really conversation with. Glenn Falkenstein is a theater maker, a lawyer, a producer, and also like me, a complete film festival whiz. He's written this really interesting article called Film Festivals Moving Online and What's Next. So I had a chance to sit down with him earlier this week to talk about what life is going to be like in lockdown for film festivals and what is what's going to be like after this all sort of goes. Glenn, thank you so much for talking to Film Festival Guide. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. You are a big audience member in terms of film festivals like me. And so I wanted to ask you, how do you think the communal experience of film festivals has changed because of COVID? I think it's dramatically shifted. I think you have this fundamental issue where film festivals are designed for in-person collaboration, in-person engagement. It's that reprieve from either watching things at home or watching things in a relatively anonymous cinema because with film festivals, you have this opportunity for engagement with others, meeting new people. Um, It's more encouraged to speak to the filmmakers. They're usually more likely to be there to engage more vociferously with what's on screen um, in situ, which is something I love and have events um, ancillary to the film screenings themselves. So I think a lot of festivals have made the effort to move into the online space. Um, the article I recently published on Festivez, I spoke to a few of the local festivals who have made the effort and have tried to take that route and they're enjoying maintaining those audiences, but they've all expressed as have the major festivals and interests that while this is a stopgap, they very much want an in-person vibe to continue because that is the bread and butter, that is the core business and that is um, what is not just missing, but um, is waning with a lack of what that's the lack of momentum because a lot of festivals just haven't been able to have a consistent run now for a good 18 months. Yeah, I think it's a super interesting thing you say there, Glenn. I think, especially as I've been to Sydney Film Festival before, and you walk into somewhere like the State Theatre. And you get this understanding it's not like it's a not a classist thing, you know, you have people from the top end of town, but then you have also people from lower socioeconomic sides of of the community. You know, you have students or people that just want to go to the cinema and, and it's a really interesting thing. And so looking forward towards the, the future of film festivals, you know, now we have streaming services like Netflix and Stan and festival-based streaming services like Shift 72. I'm really curious from your opinion whether because of these systems that we've essentially extensively changed the format of film festivals forever. Well, I do just probably to your early comment about Sydney, I love that festivals, particularly Sydney, have always heralded themselves as those great equalizers. I love that everyone from everywhere comes to the state theater or event cinemas. I do get a little frustrated with sometimes to have that little rope line at the hub where they have the exclusive events and that's always a little silly. But aside from that, um, it is where everyone can come and see these premiere films and films of that haven't screened properly else in the world at the same time. I think we have seen a shift in some sense. I think some festivals have had to postpone for a year or even definitely and may not come back or at least in their current form. I think you're seeing a shift where while some will look to return in person, certainly festivals like Cinema Reborn know that they're only going to happen in person and waited a whole year. They were the very first to postpone. But I think the main shift is going to be that you're going to see a more consistent hybrid approach where people who have had in-person events and events online. Um, you look to an example like the Taiwan Film Festival, which ran the Bookshelves event in person. Um, they're having an upcoming event focused on Asia and queer literature. They want to run it in person on October 26th, but uh, per the discussion with Benson Wu, the festival founder, 
um, in the recent article, they're willing to go online. But Benson liked that they were able to reach audiences around Australia and around the world. So it's a matter of now they have the ability to reach extra audiences. So you may see the situation where it's live streamed and events run in person. Some events appeal to live stream, some events are simply run in, in or of the person or online. And um, one of the first festivals to go online was the Melbourne Queer Film Festival. And I think uh, the stated reason from the festival director was that, or one of the stated reasons was that you have this community who regularly attend the Melbourne Queer Film Festival and other LGBTQI plus focused film festivals around the country who are, are very conscious of issues facing persons who are immunocompromised. And therefore there was impetus for that community to um, immediately go online, but also to immediately reach out to more rural communities or communities around the world who might otherwise get to Melbourne for the screenings. And since having that event in Melbourne last year, they have notably gone on to do, well, they have done regularly Victorian tours. They've gone on to do even more regional tours in Victoria because MQFF have developed a stronger audience. So I think you're seeing a broadening audience, but a the taboo around doing live streaming or accessing that having hybrid events, I think, has absolutely gone. I think that's the major change that has happened as a result of COVID, at least in the festival scene. I like what you talk about there, Glenn. You know, MQFF and, of course, Mardi Gras Film Festival does that sort of thing as well, where they've been able to create a hybrid festival. I love when you talk about, you know, immune-compromised people, and I think there's something to be said about, you know, sexuality in general. You know, Mardi Gras and Melbourne both do cinema events that are specifically in the city. And you raise the good point about what, what about people in the country, you know, the spaces are where sometimes it's it's not so easy to be out and proud. And and what what do festivals really do to be able to support those people in the country and have content come to them? And, you know, I think there is this thing about the rise of Netflix and stuff like that, you know, content, if you will, about the idea that you can hide your viewing habits by just watching stuff on your computer. Look, I think it absolutely makes it more accessible. Um, a lot of my friends in the film critic sphere like to moan the rise of streaming services because how dare Netflix get the Irishman before anyone else. But you know what? It means that I, I'm from Newcastle. A lot of people who live in New South Wales and Australia are much more rural than that. Uh, and they wouldn't otherwise have the experience to see these films and certainly see them as immediately as people who live in major cities and have access to a cinema. We take it for granted, at least I do, living uh, relatively close to the centre of Sydney, that I have quite a few cinemas and awesome cinemas and independent cinemas too, within walking distance. I think this change means that festivals and a lot of screenings and films that otherwise wouldn't be accessible, will be more accessible. And I appreciate that it's not just an issue that issues raised. For many, it's an issue of mobility. Uh, for many, it's simply an issue of, as you said, willing to engage in audiences. I remember when I started going to festivals, I really didn't know and I was really shy. I kind of would have loved a forum where I could have seen it online, got a feel for it, and then might have felt a little more confident going along in person. So I think it does make it more accessible, but I also think it can work to ultimately encourage people to attend in-person events. I think you may see the situation where a lot of festivals will just by design um, look to continue both online and in-person. There were a few doing it before COVID, but not really. It was a one-off thing for a few and now it's just really the status quo. What was really interesting, Glenn, reading that article is that you had spoken to Felix Hubble, who is the head of Static Vision. And it's really interesting of how they're able to balance both an online festival and an in real life festival because they have an audience that is able to work in both ways. 
this is the ecstatic vision are the perfect platform to go online because so much of the work is not just experimental but focused on how we engage with things in the digital space so jake makes just as much sense they had these streams where people were tuning in every friday night and commenting and it made it much more interactive than otherwise could have been and it was the perfect example of people otherwise engaging they might not have gone out to um the venue in melbourne or to the gorgeous pink flamingo in marrickville um felix um and connor bateman are there to raise the point that uh, while they have the ability to go online, they are under a thousand people, uh, typically at events. So therefore, there's not a lot of support for them in terms of uh, from the local council. But at the same time, they have uh, ability to just jump online to have an event in person. And more than I think any other festival in the country, because of that technical background and the type of films they show, they have a very quick turnover and suddenly, oh, we couldn't run Dreamscape this weekend, immediately we can go online. So when the shutdowns happened at the beginning of March and March last year, and also in Sydney this week, weeks past, they were the first festival, Taiwan went on online about the same time this year, but they were the first space to immediately go online. And I think they've maintained and built a really active audience line. And the perfect argument for it, because I went to the Pink Flamingo events after having attended a number of their online events, and there were a significantly bigger audience at their first in-person in event post the restrictions being lifted in Sydney last year. It was wonderful. Um, a lot of people who, who were there at the very beginning, people who joined online, new people, and it was thriving. And I think they've really tapped into that um, dual form of engagement are there on are there any online festivals that you think as an audience we should be looking forward to well the castle main documentary film festival they recently had some events online i know are looking at doing some more um potentially soon um the jewish international film festival um by i think the ritz at home i've screened a number of titles by the ritz at home platform um static vision have events coming up taiwan i mentioned earlier there are we waiting i guess the one of the big questions of the festival scene is to see if to what if and to what extent the sydney film festival will go online they went online last year i had to go fully online because it took place um around the july window when things were still relatively restricted um they were supposed to announce their program last week they're currently scheduled for august 18 through 29 for an in-person event however um as uh, highlighted by the premier today there will be a lockdown in place until the end of august so we're waiting at least at the time of recording to see an announcement there so that's something we may look forward to otherwise um an event in person or a hybrid approach um at one or more points throughout the year but i would look to festivals like this the underground film festival that coming up that went online last year um as did fest as did um i know a night of horror looked to have events online there were quite a few the um, the sci-fi film festival is purely great play, place to do uh potentially go online um, given the scheduling uh there's i'm i keep the updated records on festivals of all the places that are going online so it's just uh when it's i think at the moment festivals know now as of today that hey we might have to go online for this section at least maybe beyond the end of august so i think we'll see what festivals will do um and individual festivals will do really in the coming days and weeks Glenn, do you think the future of cinema is hybrid or do you think after all this is done, we're actually going to go back to cinemas for 100% um, attendance again? I think, speaking more generally about cinema where festivals are placed, 
I think if we're seeing a process that was going to happen over the next 10 to 20 years, greatly accelerating, whereby you have the stratification of what a cinema experience is. On one hand, you have the really big tentpole films that studios have the ability to say, play hardball and say, you screen my film and put it on X number of cinemas or you're not getting it because everyone wants to see this. I'm talking about a hand for studios you can really count on one hand and types of, and like genres of film you can really count on one hand. But on the other side of that, you'll have people wanting to go to festivals for more film cinemas for more intimate experience, maybe pay a little more. So go to a festival where something is curated, where they'll get something they wouldn't otherwise see. And I think you actually may see a rise of attendance at film festivals because of this, while you also may see a rise in conjunction, but separate to this, the major tenpole one-off one releases. Um, having said that, the casualty of this, I think will very sadly be mid-budget film. You see a lot of independent releases in certain cinemas, you refer to Palestendi, Golden Age, who are wonderful. And you have also, the major $200 million projects. I like 10 to $50 million projects. I think great creative directors can get, and producers can get really creative with these. I think actors love doing them. Uh, you may see streaming services take up some of the slack, but not they haven't always had the best track record with that tier of picture. So I think it is good news. It can be good news for festivals if there are forums that are dedic remain dedicated to running them as there are now. But I think the casualty of that will be a lot of great Hollywood films that you we that have sporadically come out of the past couple of decades coming out less and less, which I think would be a really sad thing because I love festivals and indie films, but I also love when one of those directors who is a champion of that scene comes out of that scene and says, yeah, I want to make a $20 million bare bones epic action film. And I think we're going to see less of those. And that makes me most COVID. You're going to see people rush back to this. And like, I can't wait to see the friends I've haven't seen over the last little while. Um, a lot of people have love interacting with online, but not quite the same. Um, I think going to a festival is really going to become a not so much a niche thing, but something you a great it already is, but a great thing to go on a date. People love going to the movies, and if the only alternative to big budget films, which they've seen time and time again, people will get sick of. I know she used to think they will, but they will get sick of them if they just keep regurgitating the same formulas, which they are. And the only alternative that's present are these film festivals that are made with blood, sweat, and love of these volunteers who bring these films out. Uh, people are going to go, and they love that personal touch. Um, I, I I see all the big budget films, and like I I'm a sucker for them. I grew up with I grew up with them. I still go watch them all. And I walk out of the cinema and I go home. But I go to a festival and I rock up and I see you. I see friends. I hang out. I get an introduction to the film. Sometimes I get a little Skype message from the filmmaker if they're overseas, or otherwise the filmmaker's there. Sometimes there's a Q and A after. People are encouraged to hang a meal out of outside. I like at festivals that there's not a taboo around walking out if you don't like it and that's okay because you know what if you're at something with the volume of sydney and you just have the flicks pass you can just go see another film or talk to your friends i've frequently booked out flicks and then just skipped one because oh, i just want to uh, chat some mates it's and if you go in for an experience and i think a place like sydney film festival knows this they're bread and butter as much yeah. as we like to think it's film nerds like us it's couples who get a 10 flexi pass and go see five films it's um people who are a little bit older and to get by the 30 plexi pass and just see, sit there through see three films a day um i which 
admittedly I do too and I love that and yeah I it's an immersive experience that I think you can't get with other films that you can't get at home because well as much as you might have a little home cinema set up and cut everything off and well yeah maybe you have less distractions during COVID there's just a discipline which is requisite and nice and lovely to going to see a movie and being totally immersed in it. There's very few times I sat at home and felt totally immersed in a flick. Um, but in a cinema, there's something about that centers the mind. And I think nothing does that more than a festival screening. Glenn, I want to thank you so much for talking to Film Festival Guide. It was a really interesting discussion about hearing your thoughts about where film festivals are at during COVID and then also what happens after this all hopefully eventually flies by us. Um, I want to thank you so much. That's really nice to chat. Um, yeah, look forward to hearing more and uh, yeah, we'll uh, catch you in person as soon as we can at the festival.